Good evening, everyone. Welcome back to Ground Waves. The question of Jewish art is a fascinating one, not the least because of the underlying inquiry as to what makes art Jewish. Is it the content of the artistic creation or the identity of the artist? Throughout history, there have been extraordinary Jewish artists and there has always been extraordinary Jewish art. Now, the Ten Commandments seem pretty straightforward when they say, 
You shall not make for yourself a sculptured image or any likeness of anything that is in the heavens above or in the earth below. But when did the Bible ever have the last word? If anything, that line seems to acknowledge the power of images to move us and to attract us. And to be sure, there were ancient pagan religious communities that actually worshipped images, which for many commentators explains the Bible's aversion to them. But that commandment couldn't contain, neither in antiquity nor at any point since then, the human instinct to create objects of beauty and to even put them into the service of faith. Even the Torah itself tells us about the artisans who left Egypt with us, women who were skilled embroiderers, Betzalel and Oholiav who designed the Mishkan, the desert sanctuary, not to mention its luxurious and stylized fabrics and vessels, and of course the ultimate in sacred fashion, sacred style, the Kruvim, the cherubim, which appeared above the ark containing the Torah, sculpted winged angels with human faces. Ancient synagogues have been discovered with elaborate mosaics. Jewish tombstones have long been decorated with carved symbols. And from the Middle Ages on, Jewish wedding contracts, ketubot, appear in illuminated designs and silver breastplates adorn our Torah scrolls. Jewish art has clearly long been a feature of spiritual practice, and not just as what we call hidur mitzvah, decorative enhancements to ritual or ceremonial objects. Art has also long been used as a tool to teach Jewish values and to tell the stories that give shape to their meaning. In the ancient synagogue of Dura Europus in what is now Syria, Figures of biblical personalities adorn its walls, creating narrative art as a means for teaching Torah. In our own century, the Shoah and the establishment of the modern state of Israel prompted prodigious and diverse Jewish artistic creativity, expressing everything from the pain of loss to the awe of rebirth and all of the conflicting emotions that emerge in the ongoing transition from powerlessness to power, as well as the complex dynamics between a vibrant Jewish homeland and robust Jewish communities around the world. The effectiveness of using art, be it musical, literary, or visual, to convey or to challenge the evolution of identity, culture, spirituality, or morality is as old as human life itself and is as necessary today as it ever has been. After all, and we'll talk about this a little bit more later, the word for faith in Hebrew is emunah, and the word for art or creativity is omanut. They share a root which, regardless of one's beliefs or lack thereof, speaks powerfully to the transcendent impulse behind the effort to bring artistic expression to the human soul. Nine, 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 nine,
Juan Sanchez was born in 1954 in Brooklyn, New York, to immigrant working-class Puerto Rican parents. Juan, who's a professor of art at Hunter College, has become an influential American visual artist and one of the most important New York and cultural figures of the latter 20th century. A recipient of prestigious awards, grants, and fellowships, Juan's work is shown in both solo and group exhibitions in major institutions throughout the United States, Latin America, Europe, and Africa. Juan embraces an activist stance as an artist and establishes his art as an arena of creative and political inquiry that encompasses the individual, the family, and the communities with which he engages, as well as the world at large. Juan is also a dear friend and associate of Ted Berger's, who's a member of our VAD, and I want to thank you, Ted, so much for introducing Juan to us. Juan, welcome to Ground Waves. You can unmute yourself and we can begin to talk a little. Thank you. I'm, I'm so uh, honored uh, and uh, doing moments when I have to close my eyes and really absorb music that's uh, playing and uh, music has always been uh, a one it's it's a little hard to hear you can you maybe sit a little closer to your microphone yeah. can you hear me now that's a lot better yeah the closer you you are to that that would be great Juan, I'm sorry, I'm just going to ask you to, to maybe even lean in a little bit so that we can hear you more clearly. I don't want anyone to miss anything. Sure. Tell us a little bit about your background, Juan, and what drew you to the world of art as a, as a medium for storytelling, for identity building, and, and how the connection between art and activism became clear to you. How do you use art as a means of promoting the advocacy work in which you're so engaged? Well, it's interesting because your introduction really uh, covers a lot of ground. Uh, I've been involved with art, with drawing, since I was about like five years old. That's all I did, draw and draw from comic books and draw from uh, animation on television. And, and as I grew older, I, I felt stronger and stronger uh, committed to, uh, to drawing and painting. Um, it reached a point, especially when I started uh, uh, college art school, where art was my voice, and, 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 and part of it was to find out more about who I am as, as, a, as a black as a black person, as, as a 
as a person of Puerto Rican descent, um, living all my life in a uh, mostly Puerto Rican African American community. That environment, including what's going on at home, the culture, the food, the music, uh, the customs, all of that uh, nurtured me in, in many, many ways. And in the beginning, as a child, like I kind of like ignore it and didn't pay attention. As I got older, I started asking, um, you know, what it is, what is a Puerto Rican? Where is this island out there called Puerto Rico? Once I started finding out more about that, that's when I started finding out the history of Puerto Rico and its 500 years of colonialism. Um, first on the Spain, and now uh, uh, with the United States. So. There's so much that I was learning uh, about my culture and my history that art became that vehicle for me to explore and, and to express what, what I've been discovering. So the work has become uh, very, very socially grounded, very political, but at the same time, the work became a reflection of, of who I am. So there's definitely some autobiographical elements and the question of family and portrait or two of my mother, my wife, um, um, self-reflective uh, painting, um, um, still contextualized within the social and political uh, reality um, that I, of so many Puerto Ricans um, in, in the island, as well as those of us in the diaspora, has been uh, experiencing from, uh, from day one. Uh, so, so the art this, this, this vehicle, not only to, to speak my mind and to express myself, but also to engage people, to engage people into, into some conversation. Uh, sometimes people uh, don't agree with what I say, but the conversations uh, do take place. And so I try to make my art um, in such a way, uh, not as an antagonistic vehicle, but more to humanize people to, uh, to a lot of the questions. Um, um, that I have, as well as a lot of the questions that so many of my people and other people with similar history uh, have. Juan, before I move to the next question, I I, I wonder if um, if 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 maybe your mic is is not directly in front of you. I, I just don't um, want anyone to miss anything you're saying. I'm very, I'm very close to. Uh, to uh, okay. Okay. Um, is there an, is there's nothing covering your mic? Uh, no. Okay. It's a little hard to hear you, so I appreciate you uh, raising your voice as much as you can. Juan, has this global pandemic that we're all living through and the racial tensions that it unleashed in any way shaped your artistic expression now? Are there dimensions to the story of COVID-19 that you seek to convey through your art? What, what might some of that be for you? I think, I think the pandemic definitely has put me in a, in a position to really reflect and to try to find a handle in terms of how am I going to address that in my art. Um, everybody has been impacted in such a way that Vulnerability, if you don't all uh, experience 
and so on and so forth. So um, um, all of these things uh, are a bit overwhelming and I'm taking it all in and processing it and hope for the best that I'll be able to uh, uh, communicate these things uh, uh, through my art um, uh, at, at some point uh, soon. Well, I know we're all very eager to, to see your art and um to be walked through by you some of your pieces that express what you've just told us about the way you've used art as a way of elevating narrative and identity so we're very excited for you to share your screenshot your slideshow with us now and to uh, to introduce us to your work okay well as as uh as I said before, I, uh, I was born and raised in Brooklyn. I live in different parts of Brooklyn. Uh, um, for the most part, um, Puerto Rican, uh, African-American communities. Right now, I'm living in Williamsburg, which uh, still uh, on the south side of Williamsburg, which is still a very strong Spanish-speaking uh, community, which has diversified. Um, uh, besides Puerto Ricans, we have Dominicans and we have Peruvians and Ecuadorians and, and, and Mexicans and so on and so forth. But in the environment that I was living in uh, throughout my years, that environment has a tendency of really reflecting its culture and its politics. Um, and so during the 70s and the 80s and into the 90s, uh, as a photographer, I've, I've been going out into the street and, and, and shooting anything on the walls that express those things. And so what you see is uh, three images. Um, um, uh, all three were taken in Brooklyn. Uh, and uh, these are the images that I've been surrounded with. Um, um, uh, these are only three of so many. I have maybe about 2,000 uh, images of these. Uh, uh, documentation. Okay, for some reason I can't have, I can't go to the next slide. 
It's a little bit of a glitch here. If you move your cursor onto the second, it, it doesn't go? Possibly on the side where the thumbnail pictures are. Mm -hmm. I was using the keys, but this is great. So my images are kind of like multi-layered. For the most part, they're collages. Um, collages on paper, collages on canvas, collages on, uh, on wood panels. These are a couple of pieces which are collages on, on paper. And uh, one is devoted to my mother, the other one is devoted to uh, uh, my wife, Alma. And uh, I use a lot of symbolism that, I, that not only derives from Puerto Rican, uh, Latino, Latin American culture, but, but also from uh, African culture. Many of the symbols are so universal that, you know, people can, can see these things and, 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 uh, and identify with it. Um, and, um, and if I need to use uh, objects like cowrie shells, I'll, 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 I'll do that. Um, and in the background, there's, uh, there's this collage of, of, of two images, one of a man and one of a woman whose identity is covered by uh, the Puerto Rican nationalist flag. And it speaks to uh, a people, uh, 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 a captive people, a colonized people. Um, it speaks to uh, the island of uh, Puerto Rico. Um, um, it's, 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 it signifies a lot of uh, things that as a background, whatever I bring on top, like the, like the photograph of my mother's feet uh, and, and a collage of uh, uh, the Virgin of Perpetual Sorrow, which she used to have on her bedpost. Um, uh, I, I, I bring all of those elements and the text it's like it's like um, an expression of, of love and and remembering. Um, and on the other end, you know, it's it's it's, it's a loving uh, portrait of uh, my wife Alma. Uh, this is part of a series called Cries and Wounded Whispers, and and it's a series that that speaks about individuals who. Uh, uh, were activists, were uh, advocates for uh, civil and human rights. And uh, one of them is a portrait of Angel Cristoba, uh, uh, Rodriguez Cristoba, who was uh, uh, assassinated. Um, and the other one is, uh, is uh, for uh, Martin Luther King. And um, the series, in a way, is my way of, of resurrecting so many people in history, not only here in the United States and Puerto Rico, but throughout the world that ha have sacrificed themselves uh, for, for the cause. Uh, in this particular case, uh, a portrait of uh, Rosa uh, Luxemburg and, and, and who she was, you know, as a, as a, as an activist, as, as a, as a labor, uh, you know, uh, organizer, um, um, and how she was, you know, uh, assassinated, 
uh, beaten and thrown into the into the river. Um, um, and I just deposed this this beautiful portrait of her when she was uh, fourteen years old. And there's also this portrait of uh, of Neda, who um, was this young woman, very young woman who was shot by a sniper in a, in a demonstration in Iran back in 2009. So these are portraits of people who have had an incredible impact and, and, and have left a, a very strong uh, impression that still echoes uh, to this day. Um, the other, the other two is is uh, 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 a painting on Robert F. Kennedy. The title of the painting is "The Irish American" and the assassination of uh, Robert F. Kennedy. And within the lower composition of this collage flag is a solarized images of John F. Uh, Robert F. Kennedy on the floor uh, uh, when he was shot down. Um, they're very, they're very tragic images. Um, um, the other one, uh, titled uh, uh, Resurrection, uh, the resurrection of uh, Jesus Christ. And um, within, within all of these compositions, you, you see these floating circles, and it's actually uh, an image of a, of a baby uh, crying. And, and it's kind of inverted. One is upside down, the other one is right side up. And, and the circle signifies so many things in terms of cycle, uh, uh, holiness, perfection, on and on and on. The circle is such a universal uh, symbol. And that image runs across the, uh, throughout the, the series. Uh, one thing that I did do uh, with the resurrection uh, piece is that instead of using uh, the feet of a man, I used the feet of a woman. And so I concentrated on the feet uh, as it's floating up towards this universe that has so many um, uh, symbols and signs that covers uh, a, a number of, uh, of religion and, and, and faith. Um, in addition, in addition to doing a lot of a lot of you know what what people call easel work, right? Paintings in, in, in my studio. I've also been fortunate to do a public art commission, and uh, this uh, mural uh, titled uh, "Prevalence: Sacred Traces" uh, was commissioned by the University of uh, Notre Dame um, for their new uh, Duncan uh, Student Center. And it measures 12 feet by 22. It was realized in uh, 2018. It's made up of um, glass tiles, um, digitally. Uh, uh, well, I did a lot of hand drawing, a lot of collages, a lot of hand painting, and it was a scan, digitalized, and then assembled into this composition, and then it was sent out to a fabricator that made these tiles that, that, that pull it all together, uh, which would then directly install onto uh, the wall. So 
I've included a bunch of, of, of symbols, some of them derived from um, uh, sections of my painting, including uh, a section, a middle section, where students have contributed their art to be a part of uh, the mural. And I, I flew over to uh, Notre Dame a, a number of times to conduct uh, workshops. And then what they did was they created art um, that traces uh, the history of, uh, of uh, Notre Dame and also its roots. So there's a number of symbols like these circles, which are, which are medicine uh, spirit circles um, coming out of uh, the Native American nations in that area. And, um, and a little bit of, uh, you know, the, the fighting Irish football and so on and so forth. And then I covered as many different uh, people in history as I could. Unfortunately, I couldn't, co I couldn't uh, represent all of them. But uh, that, in, in combination with some of the symbols um, and other elements, there's also this, this image, again, of the baby that I was, uh, the cry of the baby, the cry of anger, despair, angst. Um, uh, I, I, I try to bring all that under the symbol of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And this is um, uh, the installation and the site. It's, it was quite an ambitious project, and quite frankly, when I was supervising the installation of these tiles, I was uh, I was a bit uh, overwhelmed in terms of the kind of uh, of achievement that I was able to uh, accomplish. Uh, before that commission, I also did a series of murals and friezes for. Um, James Monroe uh, High School uh, education uh, campus, which is out in the Bronx. And they were all made of the same materials, um, glass tiles, archival uh, ink on uh, glass tiles. And the top image is one of the, is one of the murals, um, 12 by uh, 22, 24 feet as well. And uh, one half the hands of a female, which cover half the globe. And the other one is the hand of a male that covered the other half. And then the various uh, uh, signs are floating within, within that space and, and that universe. And there's also uh, these friezes that I created. Which, is, which was about 25 of them because they were, they were all installed throughout the five storage uh, building. And so you see uh, the installation of one of the murals, the finished work, the installation of one of the friezes and two shots of, uh, of, uh, of these friezes in, in various parts of uh, uh, the building. So basically I've been, I've been I've been fortunate to to uh, to be able to to make art, to exhibit them, to get these commissions, to engage uh, students, uh, to help me with, with, with these commissions so that they could contribute. Uh, one thing that I forgot to mention 
is that a lot of these freezes has portraits of the students uh, that was in the high school at the time. And so they collaborated um, and I incorporated their, their, their portraits into the design. So they're there and they're there permanently. And hopefully 10 years from now, they'll go back to the site and, and, and see their faces, hopefully even with their children, right? Um, but it's their, it's their identity, it's their faces um, um, that totally reflects the very community where the, the high school is, uh, is located. And that to me is also very important. When I do uh, public artwork, I really want to reflect as much of the community as possible and try to bring some kind of collective uh, energy into the work, which is so different than what I do in my studio. Um, in that case, I, my ego is put aside and I just deal with what needs to be um, uh, dealt with um, because the mural is something that they're gonna live with and, and it's supposed to serve the community on, on many levels. So anyway, uh, this is my last slide, and uh, I'll just stop sharing it. We could continue with our conversation. That was wonderful. Juan, your work is extraordinary. It's so richly symbolic, the layering, the multivocal, multidimensionality of it, the way you bring in so many different voices, um, whether it's the students or the younger generation symbolized by by the faces of the babies, the, the way you fuse past and present. You know, Judaism is such a richly interpretive tradition. And the way you layer, um, you know, I couldn't help but feel that sense of you also um, speaking across space and time. Um, we like to think of um, Midrash, the literary, um, the prolific literary works of the of the rabbis, the ancient and medieval, and even contemporary rabbis, adding layers to text and to narrative um, that you do with your art. I mean, your art really is commentary, and it invites dialogue. It's extraordinary. Thank you for for showing us um, as you did. I wonder, Juan, if I can go back with you to something that I explained earlier. How in Hebrew the word for creativity, omanut shares the same root as the word for faith, emunah. Do you feel there's a connection between art and faith, between beauty and belief, creativity and spirituality? Well, uh, I, was, uh, I, was, I was raised uh, a Catholic, even though I, I left the practice uh, when I was about 30 years old and, and I became a born again Christian. So, so I embraced uh, Christ as my savior. And, and, I, and I tried um, to deal with my relationship with, um, with God um, on a very personal level. Um, um, religion is always organized and, and, and that's, that's always good for a lot of people. Um, but one thing that I learned is how can you communicate with him? And, and how can you uh, connect with him as, as a guide? So um, I'm a very spiritual person and, and, and I do uh, invest a lot of that uh, faith um, uh, in, in my work. Um, and of course, 
you know, upon studying uh, the Bible and seeing so much of, of, of what I, I identify it with, you know, and, and how much it reflects our uh, contemporary world, you know, um, um, like a cycle. Um, I, I, I feel very strongly that what I invest into the work will definitely uh, touch people in, uh, on many levels. And, and, I, and I do that with a lot of faith. I uh, earlier conducted my advanced uh, drawing class with undergraduates. And one thing that I did tell them is that, yes, I will be giving you assignments. Yes, I will be giving you techniques. Yes, I'll be giving you uh, things to read and I'll be exposing you to a lot of artists. Um, but your involvement in this class has to uh, carry a great degree of faith. That is to say, everything that I, that I will give you is with the faith that you will be nurtured, that, that, that the experience you go through in class would be uh, fruitful for your own growth, for your own development. Um, because that's how I deal with life and that's how I deal with, with art, among other things. And, and I give you all of these things with the faith that you'll take it and value it and move with it. And even if there's a lot of risk taking um, and you're a little scared of it, um, for you to uh, jump over the lake with the faith that you will land and you will swim, you know? Um, um, and so to me, I try very hard to, 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 uh, to hold on to, uh, to faith, you know? You know, just between you and me, I did pray a little bit for for this program to go well. So, so um, I don't have prayers. I just talk to God directly. Well, whatever it's like, please make this successful and and fruitful for for all involved, including myself. Well, I think we're both in luck tonight, Juan, because. Your prayers were definitely answered. That's a hundred percent, and so were mine when I was trying to figure out the audio, which I want you to know we figured out very quickly. Oh. So, so uh, everyone was able to hear uh, beautifully. And just in the last moment that we have together, Juan, as a as a professor and as an artist, you inhabit these two worlds: the world of creativity and the world of scholarship, the world of the world of doing and the world of training. Um, worlds that are sustained by very different sources of inspiration. Can you just give us 30 seconds on what that feels like to toggle between those two worlds, how they enrich each other for you? Well, I feel, I feel that, uh, and I've lived it, I've experienced it. I think, I think teaching is a privilege um, uh, to teach uh, young minds as well as older minds because you have older people that, that you know, kind of like late bloomers and they want to become artists to to work with with students um and and to have a dialogue with them and and with the mentality that okay i'm the professor but i don't know everything and you know what there is much that i can learn from you to have that kind of equal uh interaction has nurtured and has also uh influenced my own art um every time i do a course and i see what's happening what's happening in that classroom I, I get very inspired, so it also feeds into 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 my work as well as well, you know. So so it's a it's a it's a two way traffic, with some artists. Okay, I teach, and that's something separate. And then and then there's my art, you know, and teaching me, uh, supports 
uh, my art, but but I, I don't I, I don't see it quite that way. I see teaching as a way of even finding out more about myself through teaching, and 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 learning more about people, um, and 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 then that in some form or another nurtures me uh, intellectually and, and spiritually, and and feeds a lot into my own work. It's surprising sometimes a student who don't know what the heck he or she is doing creates something and it's like I point it to that person like that's amazing and I'll tell you why I take that to my studio but that's like an inspirational uh, blow you know it's not that I take things from them but but those kinds of moments which are often uh, also uh, becomes my my uh, part of my of my pillar um, in uh, in, in, in creating. Juan, I want to thank you so much for sharing your talent with us, your beautiful and engaging pieces that you chose to bring to us tonight. And really and truly thank you for sharing your soul with us, which as you just expressed so beautifully, is inextricably bound up with everything that your hands bring out into the world as well. We wish you so much luck and success in sharing your art and telling your story, much fulfillment and satisfaction from that. And look forward to seeing more of your work in person and to meeting you as well. And thank you, Ted, once again, for sharing with us this extraordinary human being. Juan, thank you. Just say that, thank you, Ted, also, who's, who's also an extra, extraordinary uh, human being. And uh, we, we go back many years, although Unfortunately, we haven't had the consistency of, of being connected, but we have uh, crossed paths uh, often. And, and, you know, believe it or not, Ted, I do look at you, I listen to you very carefully, not only because you know so much, but because I, 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 I believe that, that you are my mentor. Uh, um, you nurtured me as well. And I would like to thank... Uh, the rest of you for, for bringing me on board. Thank you. Our pleasure. Thank you, Glenn. Done.
That was gorgeous done, one of my favorites. I want to share one more thought on the connection between Emuna faith and Omanut art. Susan Lemely is a rabbi and is the former dean of the Office of Religious Life at University of Southern California in Los Angeles. I came across this provocative teaching of hers. She wrote, since its beginnings, Human life has moved between the poles of being determined and choosing. Gradually, human beings have chipped out a margin of relative freedom beyond sheer survival. With the first cave paintings, sacred dances, and oral traditions, art and religion stepped into that free arena. And these twinned ways of knowing, the religious and the artistic, are still the primary ones whereby we gain some independence from and some perspective on the necessities of ongoing daily life. In other words, she explains both art and spirituality lift us up and out of the defined rhythms and cycles of human life that are beyond our control, the limitations of our power over our physical environments, as we've learned from this pandemic, and the limitations of our power over illness and death art and religion have enabled us to transcend these existential limits by using unlimited artistic expression and unlimited spiritual expression to imbue these aspects of human finitude with faith with lofty ideas and morals with beauty 
and with meaning. And then she continued, and she said, and yet neither art nor religion can fulfill its function through freedom alone. She said, for art, there are the requirements of different media and the weight of artistic tradition. For religion, there are sacred times, places, and texts. In Judaism especially, the fixedness of text has been and remains central. Of course, commentary and interpretation encircle virtually every text, and sometimes the pressures to replace the traditional text are immense. But on the whole, she argued, we do better to go on wrestling with and reinterpreting the same given texts, even when they trouble us. For me, she said, a special profound quality of Judaism resides in its combination of givenness and freedom, its tribal particularity and its open universality. I thought her words were really, really thought provoking. In other words, what she was trying to say is that great art and great religion forge a path of beauty and inspiration by carefully toggling between uniform, sorry, between conformity and creativity, between tradition and transgression. Both art and religion have been used in the past to reinforce ideas and values that have diminished human dignity and that have silenced human voices. And the power remains in the hands of the artist and the religious leader to determine the relative powers of past and present. Like art, religion can bring immense, evocative, transformative beauty to the human experience. And like religion, art can move and comfort and challenge the human soul. As it was said by the ancient Rabbi Natan, one who is wise and God-fearing is like an artist with their tools at hand. Emunah and Omanut, two unique expressions of human freedom. Omanut and Emunah, two unique expressions of human responsibility. May we always bring creativity into our spiritual practice, keeping it fresh and responsive. And may we always bring our capacity for transcendence, to see beyond our current horizons, moral and aesthetic, into our engagement with artistic expression. Thank you.
Before we bring our program to a close in a few moments with our prayer, as we always do at the end of, uh, of our time together, I just want to share that Ground Waves will be on break next Monday for Labor Day. We've been running weekly since the end of April. It's amazing. Um, we will be back on September 14th with Ruth Messenger, followed by Rabbi Daniel Siegel, Edith Klein of Keshet, Nadav Greenberg, who's the chef at Miznon North on the Upper West Side, Yehuda Kurtzer, who's the president of the Shalom Hartman Institute, and Phil Weiser, the attorney general of Colorado, and so many more fascinating guests. This Wednesday evening, I want to invite everyone to join our Elul teaching in preparation for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. We'll be honored by having a guest teacher, Rabbi Capers Fanye of Beth Shalom B'nai Zakein Ethiopian Hebrew Congregation here in Chicago, where I am this week. Um, register for that session <clears throat> using the Zoom link that we've been sending out, or if you're having trouble, please feel free to email me and I'll help you. Next, uh, the week after this coming Wednesday, in other words, uh, Wednesday, September 9th, we'll be um, honored to have as our guest teacher, Rav Chaim Ovadia, who will be teaching us some beautiful religious poetry around the binding of Isaac as a lens through which to appreciate the um, dialogue between Sephardi and Ashkenazi theology and our month of study will be capped off the following week by Rachel Brody um, who is the senior educator at the Jewish Studio Project in San Francisco and who will be sharing with us on the power of words. On Shabbat September 12th I want to invite everyone to join us for a walk on the Tshuva Trail, a unique gathering in Central Park during which we'll immerse ourselves in nature sanctuary as a way of honoring Shabbat's celebration of creation and also for us to be able to draw on nature's power to ground us and guide us as we make our way through this month of return, a month of homecoming towards a new year. Watch please for information on our upcoming professionally produced live streamed High Holy Day services, including our unique creative second day service and our um, really special celebratory Ni'ilah at the end of Yom Kippur. And beyond that, um, please remember every Wednesday night is an opportunity to study with us here at Sha'ar. Um, the Wednesday nights following Rosh Hashanah will have three sessions that will allow us to engage in some deep reflection on questions of human mortality and theology that have been raised by the pandemic, after which we'll launch into our year-long Justice Beit Midrash, during which we will, through an examination and dialogue over texts, ancient and modern, Jewish and from beyond the Jewish world, in order to really understand and uh, to take action on our responsibilities for building a just world. Also, we'll be launching an Armchair Pilgrim Supper Club in partnership with Rav Chaim Ovadja. Now that our uh, community, you know we are a community that loves to travel, now that we are being kept at home by the pandemic, we're gonna travel virtually uh, with Rav Chaim Ovadja to Baghdad, to Smyrna, and to Mumbai, and we'll be accompanied by amazing recipes, cocktails, of course, stories, music, poetry. It's going to be a wonderful monthly opportunity for us to travel, even from the comforts of our own home. I want to acknowledge the hard work of our leadership team on the VAD for opening all of these wonderful creative gates into Jewish life. And one final note, when we um, conclude our program in just a few moments after our final prayer and we say goodnight, Juan has graciously offered to spend another 10 minutes or so with us. So anyone who wants to stay on to say hello to Juan, to ask any questions you may have or reflect on our program, 
um, please do so. It's late, so no pressure. Anyone who wants to just say goodnight and log off, of course, please do. But if you wish, it'll be a nice chance to just briefly connect with one another. Thank you, Juan, again, for your wonderful, wonderful presentation. Done your extraordinary music, as always. And please um, join me in thinking about these words of prayer as we bring our night to a close. <laughs> see something beautiful in the world. The Jewish tradition invites us to say the words of this blessing, Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam, shakachalo be'olamo. Blessed are you, Holy One, majestic presence in the universe, who has such things of beauty in this divine world. And we ask of the Holy One this blessing on artists, a blessing that I've adapted for our gathering tonight. Bless the creators, holy one of creation, who by their gifts make the world a more engaging and beautiful realm. Through their labors, they teach us to see more clearly the truth around us. In their inspiration, they call forth wonder and awe and humility in our own living. In their hope and vision, they remind us that life is holy. Bless all who create in your image, like you, Holy One of creation, Holy One of beauty. We offer you our blessings as we say, Laila Tov, done our blessings to you, the most beautiful, creative artists in our midst. Laila Tov, everyone. Good night. <laughs>